Perfect. Do you go? Uh, do you guys go by Bobby or Robert? Bobby. Bobby. Correct. Okay, Bobby Fishkin. Cool. And your your company is reframeit.com? Uh, well, we do business as crowd doing, uh, but that is a joint initiative of the social enterprise that I founded uh, for systems change, reframe it, and the uh, nonprofit uh, that uh, Saskia founded. And together we are uh, a hybrid and we work through crowd doing. Very cool. Yeah, I had a chance to look it up a little bit. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the call. So just to explain to you what we're doing. So I run a podcast called the Language of Creativity Podcast. And that one is very much about the connections between everything. Uh, if you ever watch that show Connections, where <laughs> it's kind of like that, and we go everywhere and anywhere. So what I want to start with, I think, in this interview is just I will start with the Space Camp Project. And this is why I'm running the video, because the idea was to interview someone from each of the 20 projects about the missions. And so I'll be asking you about the solar punk future mission. And uh, because the language of creativity podcast often opens up with a work from the artist, I'm going to go ahead and read if with your permission, the output that your AI um, had given us um, with your prompt, and then we can kind of go into what space camp is and what um, and what that, you know, what that entails, what your project is. And I would say probably 20 to 30 minutes runtime is going to be what we will present on video to the Space Camp as a podcast. And um, then from then on, we can just talk about life and AI and reframe it and, um, you know, the, the, the initiatives that you're working on and just get to know you a little bit better. I think that will be a really cool segue. Um, so uh, does, do you have any questions? Uh, the last part of what you said was, uh, not coming out. So it's something about minutes for one topic or another, but I, I can also go with the flow. And I, 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 if, 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 uh, the fact that you cut out is not a, um, a problem. My only point is that I want to make sure that you're able to hear me. And so if, I can um, hear you just fine, but it concerns me if the perfect. connection is cutting out because we, I had that problem. I was working with somebody on a podcast and they were in the Netherlands and, uh, we were having about a five second delay. And so it, it with the language barrier, it just made it really hard to, to riff. I, I welcome uh, that uh, it just cut off when you were talking about the, the timing uh, and this okay. is the sequence of part one or part two, but uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to get us started and uh, improvise to the degree we need to, yeah. to bridge to the topics that you're. Um, yeah. Is it better now? Is the connection yeah. better now? Okay, good. Yeah, so what I was saying is that the so. first, what I want to do is lead with the stuff we're going to use on the Space Camp podcast, and then we'll segue into the, the other longer form stuff. And then I'll use both for the language of creativity, but I don't even have Got a it. name for this, the the missions podcast yet, um, but I'll probably just call it Space Camp's, Space Camp's mission podcast for now. Um, okay. So I'm going to basically read, I'm going to read with your permission what novel AI outputted. Um, and read that. And then from there, we'll introduce both podcasts and you can go ahead and start telling me a little bit about the space camp solar punk mission. And we'll, we'll kind of ground it into what is space camp? What are you working on in your project? You know, real quick. And then just that'll, that'll go from there and the rest, we can just let it, yeah, we can let it flow. So excellent. All right. So Bobby Fishkin says, I fed novel AI with a solar punk aspiration, and it fed me with these narrative layers. We must find a way to balance the needs of our world with the needs of our species. This must be done before it's too late. Humanity faces a choice. Continue down a path of destruction or begin a transition to a regenerative society. The solar punk movement is a call for humanity to become the best version of itself. The solar punk vision of the future is one where we collectively embrace the challenges of climate change and resource depletion as opportunities. The future must be one where we honor our interdependence with nature, where we share in abundance rather than scarcity. 
As we strive toward this future, the solar punk movement strives to move away from the negative impacts of the past. We seek to avoid the excesses of cyberpunk and steampunk, rejecting the dystopia of a world ruled by corporations and replacing them with the hopeful utopia of a society that lives in harmony with nature. Solar punk is a call for hope and optimism. The solar punk movement is a call for imagination and creativity. Solar punk is a call for action and transformation. This is a call for the renewal of our relationship with nature and a celebration of our common humanity. This is a call for us to imagine and create a more harmonious future. Bobby Fishian, welcome to the Language of Creativity podcast and this new Missions Share Out podcast that we're doing for the Buckminster Fuller Institute Space Camp. Thanks for joining us. Delighted to be here. So tell me a bit more about Novel AI and what you gave it to output that statement that we read at the beginning. Well, uh, you know, a f- context would be that during a, we call it a hashtag systems change dialogue, there was uh, an individual in our uh, call, a friend of ours who was referencing this concept of a kindred quest and uh, that being related to the the future that uh, they were inspired by. And we we had um, a thread in a moment when a uh, friend co-founder uh, of um, or co 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 the founder of Match Traction Foundation and co-leader of Crowd Doing, I should say, um, Saskia Varas uh, was suggested I share back with the AI uh, the novel AI uh, as we've been in habit of doing in um, recent periods of time. Uh, this thread that we when we got to this sort of marvelous arrival point among humans, we shared this uh, kindred quest to get to a solar punk future uh, narrative back to the AI uh, during the conversation live. And then a few minutes later, I uh, read back to the group in dialogue that the AI had come up with something that I wanted to share back with the group. And, you know, so one of the things that we've been uh, in consideration of is how do we in social dialogue among humans also be cumulative with artificial intelligence opportunities to share mission purpose and backcasting opportunities from a more optimistic future. And, you know, novel AI is wonderful because it's a credible fiction engine. So, Mm. you know, you can um, say that credible fiction is also something that has realism and if we embed it in hopefulness uh, it's not by default hopeful but if we bring a hopefulness in our prompting of it to say that we got to a future that was reflective of these wishes that we have for the future and these needs that we have for the future and that those objectives were achievable in that future and how did we get there and what was needed to br- to bring us there then you know it becomes a remarkable co-creative force in our being able to work through what are the missing institutions to get there what are the missing mm. fields of knowledge to get there what are the perfect roles for ourselves and our friends and our community uh, fellow humans that we need to design to get there what are the combinations of disciplines that don't exist but that the ai can see exist or what are the books a friend of ours should write that they are uniquely positioned to write? Um, you know, it's not only something that is working with us in the sense it is doing something collaboratively for us. It's something that is co-creating with us. Hmm. So you mentioned backcasting, and it's this idea that Mark Smith mentioned in one of his YouTubes uh, that is this idea of thinking ahead to a future that you want, and then working backwards to understand how we got there. Is that kind of how you understand backcasting? 
Well, uh, you know, it's um, more than that for systems change leadership. I think you're right that that is exactly the traditional definition of it in general in scenario planning and in um, future studies. Uh, but there's other layers to it, I think, that are important to connect to. Um, I, I've hosted dozens of hours of dialogue on uh, so-called getting to a solar punk future and working backwards among humans over the clubhouses where we did those. And, you know, we've had uh, humans trying to backcast from a solar punk future and say, under what mm. circumstances does this field that I cherish help the world reach that future and they're mm -hmm. stewarding a part of what they know and they are familiar with and they care about passionately to help look at the gaps for that future to be realized and recognized and mutually discovered um i've also uh done a different form of backcasting in the uh visionaries and revolutionaries series uh where dozens of times i hosted dinners um around the people sharing a vision and or revolution that leads to a future that is fit for our future selves. And, yeah. you know, that's uh, been, you know, in the spirit of each person stewarding a piece of it. I think, you know, in working backwards from a solar punk future, there tends to be, you know, a longer uh, digressive discourse. The visionaries and revolutionaries, we try to sort of treat it um, sort of like you'd think a pointillist would of a bunch of individual visions of the future that are individually backcast from as points in the future that we can see and ascertain and work backwards mm. from. Mm. Uh, if we take what we are dealing with then with novel AI, we're talking about machines that have read perhaps um, millions uh, of uh, different kinds of content that relates to different kinds of parts of the future at different levels of abstraction. And, mm. you know, we can ask for a tactical backcasting with the AI. We can ask for a strategic backcasting. We can ask for wow. an institutional gap analysis with the AI. And we can ask for, um, a, you know, a, a role generation uh, for each person to have the perfect role. We can invite the AI to help us design scenarios of what would be the perfect role for, for, for us. You know, it, it, it's... Um, context where uh you know because we can adapt it we can work backwards um you know for a specific culture and country what would it mean for that right place to get to a solar context specific so yeah because not every group has the same capacities or proclivities well and it's you know if we take where do humans get to the limits of their knowledge in the each wonderful human stewarding a fractal of a solar punk future is a unique insight to how to get there. But no individual can be at the interdisciplinary comfort zone Leibniz was while he was alive when he knew and taught all the things in Europe that were thought to be knowledge at that time, according to some historical analysis. 18 people had had that claim to fame before him, but he was the last comprehensive knower in that um, context. Mm. And so you know, the social entrepreneurs of this world, the systems change leaders of this world are way short of Leibniz in terms of comprehensiveness of understanding all the fields that connect to what they're doing. And so the idea of having profoundly helpful human allies and AI allies so that, you know, none of us are short autonomy. If you're familiar with uh, Ryan and Desi's self-determination theory, they have this narrative that people are generally starved of autonomy compared to apex collaboration and apex interdisciplinary diversity of who is collaborating with them and apex uh, camaraderie depth of their collaboration and cooperation such that in practice people are not dreaming as aspirational a set of things as they would most resonate with and they are not yes. tactically doing the most effective things to reach such aspirations accordingly and so i think right. thinking about the ai novel ai as if it's credible fiction to backcast from a fully optimistic future, then, you know, we can unskew our distortion of not hoping enough and having a chilling effect on our dreaming because we're not being hopeful enough because we don't have enough interdisciplinary feasibility because we only have one human lifetime. And we can yes. get to closer to an aspirational, feasible world we can work backwards from. Yeah, well, and that brings up a lot. But what I want to say is, first, is that uh, one of the challenges 
is with all these brilliant individuals spending many years and decades of their lifetime putting out this work and having these conversations that your groups are having and envisioning and, uh, and brainstorming and all these things. There is so much knowledge uh, to catalog and know that groups, just separate groups, don't have the information that these groups have. This group over here has their information. This group over here has their information. This group may come up with the answer to this other group's question, but they may never meet. And just to watch all of the hours of Zoom videos and uh, try to um, read the transcripts of all, I mean, thank God for Otter, like a transcription software, because you know, sometimes, you know, as a, as an orator, you know, there are hours of things to go through and to get the idea, and unless you can sit down and start the tape at, at minute zero and listen to hour two and a half, you know, that one thing that was at uh, hour 42, I mean, it gets lost unless someone sits there and literally is a librarian for it all. And usually that librarian exists in a silo and the information is not getting shared, even in the most open source of intent. It's just too much data uh, for humans to uh, collaborate and communicate. And I, I do see that as something we will get into when I ask about the company that you're working with. Uh, but before I do that, I did want to, I think it's really important that we clarify, what do you mean by a solar punk future? Can you describe that? So from my perspective, a solar punk future is aspirationally hopeful enough to inspire us thoroughly and it's as aspirational as it needs to be to inspire us completely and it's also realistic because it can't violate the laws of physics or other fundamental constraints that will be impossible to overcome because it must be a realistic future that is imminently accessible for the real worlds as we live in it should be a future that works for a, a, a diversity of humanity across disciplines, across neurodiversity dimensionalities, across regions. It should be a future that allows each person to come up with perfect roles for themselves, you know, in the spirit of ikigai or the overlap between what people love doing, what they're exceptional at doing, what the world mm -hmm. needs them to be doing. It's a future in which people have perfect roles for themselves. It's a future in which we are working in harmony with uh, ancient humans who were a part of the development of nature-based solutions that we are yeah. still learning from to this day. It is a future that is reflective of the resonances that should be most abundant when we are most uh, connected to ourselves and most connected to each other. Okay, so even further back, what is solar punk? Like, when I hear solar punk, what I kind of think of is like, this, this, you know, you mentioned cyberpunk and you mentioned uh, steampunk. And what I mentioned is like, what I think of is like, okay, solar panels on every building and every house is generating its own power and has abundant energy. And somehow we figured out how to wrap solar panels on cars and the battery technology has gotten so good that they're charging themselves as they drive. And, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what describe, I mean, almost in storytelling form, what is solar punk? Like, what, what does that, what does that mean? I, I will with one minor revision before you said that I said that those words, the, the AI generated those words that you were quoting in terms of that. So there's a difference. Well, that was going right? to be one of my but, later questions is, is what did you input to the AI? So we'll get there. But like, yeah, what do you see as solar punk? Like when you're working with this group, what, what does that mean? Um, so, you know, I've watched several hundred of the documentaries on YouTube that are in the solar punk genre because each of them adopts a different social innovation that has systems change potential. And they're, they're wonderful. And, and I think that there's also an amazing fiction literature and uh, paintings, both in the human-created and the AI-generated paintings genre, of uh, the, the futures that we can recognize as fit for our future selves. But I think that solar punk as a genre is you could say when the artists have embraced as subject matter the kind of community of could be systems change leaders, it could be social entrepreneurs, it could be uh, some of the visionaries and revolutionaries that I alluded to in other contexts, these 
you know, people who are trying to transform the world that, you know, should not be a cultural oversight or a cultural afterthought, but are actually, um, you know, real world evidence of the future as we'd wish it to be. You know, when I see mm -hmm. a documentary of a living bridge in Southeast Asia, that's a wonderful solar punk example, uh, you know, from ancient times, from hundreds of years ago, some of these living bridges uh, are there. And, living bridge, you know, describe. See, what is what is a living bridge? Living bridges are made out of the uh, roots from the, the trees that are dragged across a ravine, even some of them sufficiently bound together so that automobile can drive across it, even from ones that wow. are hundreds of years old that had not been built when automobiles were around. But nonetheless, some of these are incredible um, living bridges. And, you wow. know, I love living bridges. Both the literal ones are gorgeous, but the actual metaphor of it is so useful because I think that humans as stewards, as macro leaders, are living bridges to a fractal of a solar punk future that they could help the world reach. And yeah. I think that the other examples of, um, you know, the Balbotonic uh, uh, documentary about how they've built um, a building taller than a dozen stories that's replaced all the steel, concrete, and iron just about with um, these hundreds of trees in the form of living tree construction where the trees have merged together because wow. hundreds of years ago they invented a way to merge them. So these 400 trees have become a single living organism that they think will last for hundreds of years. And, oh, that's incredible. You know, that's um, amazing. And I think that, you know, the... See, I don't know the, any of this. I can guarantee you my audience from the language of creativity, most of them don't know about this. Probably the Buckminster Fuller audience, like half of them, more than half of them heard of these things. That's why I ask, because it's like, you know, it's obvious being immersed in the world of solar punk that you're accessing this oeuvre of potential and not just potential, but living history. And it's informing the way that you're seeing the possibilities, which is kind of what you were talking about in the story framework. It's like if we can envision, I kind of picture the aesthetic of solar punk because I've never seen it. Uh, kind of the way that steampunk like glorifies the, you know, early turn of the century, nine, 19, you know, 10s, where it's like in the future, there'll be dirigibles that take us around and there'll be steam engines that power. And it was kind of this like, you know, really exciting view of the future. But but the steampunk genre kind of like looked back at that and what people looked at futurism of the day from like 1890 and made it into an art style. So I almost picture solar punk, you know, I, I can't help but think of Janine Benyes and uh, biomimicry. One of the core tenets is that nature is solar power. You cut like, out. The sun out. powers sorry, 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 all of I lost, photosynthesis. I, I lost five seconds. Uh, please, please go back five seconds. I apologize. Um, I can't help but think of Janine Benyes uh, when she says that nature is solar powered. And so, I, I honor yeah. that. So, you know, this might be a good time to, to bring up a aspect of my journey that relates to your question, which is uh, I discovered solar punk in terms of my own encounter with it. Obviously, it existed before I encountered it. It, it had a life of its own, starting in Brazil and spreading across um, many countries, you know, before I found it for years. So. But I, I, speaking just to my own uh, individual journey that caused me to encounter it, you know, I, I had been working through our crowd doing context on a initiative around the narrative that the plant wall singularity is near, you know, that ver have you seen vertical gardens or living walls? Yeah. So those are so cool. I had we'd done this research around how. Uh, a hospital can have vertical gardens pay for themselves in less than 18 months. And that per hospital, you could have a network of vertical gardens preventing hundreds of deaths over a 25 year period. If you count the opioid addiction, uh, death reduction and the medical mistake reduction. And th this, this, so in other words, is this because of the well being that having the plants in your vicinity is creating or what was creating that benefit? 
yeah, you have a reduction in glucocorticoids and catecholamines, and you have a um, effectively reduction in analgesic required that reduces the opioids required to uh, treat patients in recovery. Because you're and, not staring at a blank wall and mm-hmm. living in a hell a hellscape, basically, to, that's supposed to promote regeneration in your cells, <laughs> right? Exactly. And 90% yeah. of doctors, uh, you know, that have hyperstress, have hyperstress that would be within the range of hyperstress reducible by enough uh, dosage of biophilia. Uh, yeah. And so reducing medical mistakes. So, you know, th- this got us to learn about the um, Bosco Verticale, uh, which is one of the, uh, I don't know if you've run across this, this, um, uh, it's um, in Milan, it's uh, this architectural, uh, extraordinary thing where they've built, you know, approximately two central parks worth of plants spread out in vertical gardens across these two skyscrapers, you know, and it's got so many plants that it's changed the entire air pollution per capita in the city exposure, Uh, which of course, Central Park also does for New York. Um, Yes. And so that uh, discovery of the Bosco Verticale um, and, uh, you know, it turns out that is a gateway to solar punk because hmm. it's uh, one of the most iconically, uh, frequently uh, referenced solar punk memes and solar punk examples that gets you know connected. Anyways, I, I just thought that that would be interesting to mention that you know there there are specific gateways to solar punk as a genre. Now, obviously, it you know might have more than. 100,000 people who are in, um, you know, the Reddit solar punk group and tens of thousands, I think, who are in the Facebook solar punk group. And there's, um, I'm in uh, more than 10 solar punk related discords. And, you know, there's a whole community of communities, you could say. But I also just think that the the solar punk genre is is, is profoundly more than the sum of its parts, because it's a, you know, milieu for uh, the realistic hopefulness that we cherish, but that is, um, you know, in a fragile place in modernity. And so we need mm-hmm. to create what Alexander Laszlo refers to as uh, systemic nurture, or Phoebe Tickle refers to as yeah. moral imagination, or, yeah. um, you know, any of these frames to look at it. I mean, I studied Derek Parfit on alternative futures back when I was at Yale, and I think that this is you know a subset of futurism the the, the hopeful realistic part of futurism yes and that's yeah. what's mar- part of what's marvelous about it incredible i mean yeah and the the idea that beauty heals and the idea that nature i think this is getting widely accepted that nature has benefit not just in its tangible you know here's some oxygen exchange for you but also in the almost energetic component that it provides for humans that we are, we need nature and there's forest bathing and there's all these things. And and I think psychology is starting to understand this. I think science is starting to back this up and medicine and studies are backing it up. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like we kind of rushed into this future where we divorced ourselves from nature and tried to get as, as isolated from it as we can. And now we're sort of dealing with the re- repercussions. And I, I think in envisioning a future where we can have some of the, the luxury and modern convenience that we have in our world, but in harmony with nature, um, obviously is a much better way than kind of what we're dealing with, which is like the the collapse of the industrial system. We've got so much CO2, you know, I mean, just the fact, I mean, cars don't smell as bad as they did in the 70s, but they still smell bad. And diesel trucks smell bad. And it's bad for you. It's carcinogenic. It's bad for the planet. It's bad for our bodies. And we just accept that that's the status quo. Like, that's just not going to change. And we just need to keep driving the wheels of the economy forward. And we just can't think about it any other way. Probably because there's been some limitations to 
the uh, uh, efficiency of solar in the past, but also partially because there's been some monkey business going on with, you know, there's been some documents leaked from Exxon or, or, you know, some of the large oil companies that say, like, we're actively trying to, like, downplay the negative effects that our industry has on the planet. Like, you know, and... Yeah, so I, I I digress, but you know you know what I'm well, saying. Well, like, different pieces. I mean, I think that you know you mentioned forest bathing. We, we have one initiative at Crowd doing Nature Counter, aiming to democratize eco psychology and forest therapy, forest bathing, attention restoration theory, nature deficit disorder reduction, and, and all of that. You know, as our friend uh, Day Sanchez talks about, uh, you know, is also a way to address eco grief and eco anxiety and help people shift their relationship mm. to um you know uh uh from uh one uh kind of relationship with ecology to another and so you know i i think that um when you're talking about solar punk at a systems change level that that's what we've done is always bridge from the narrative of how do we not just have a paradise in isolation in the middle of nowhere or somewhere in isolation that says you know, right. um, contained, uh, but h- how do we create a systemic change cascade of co-benefits across society proportionate to, uh, the future that resonates with our future selves and yeah. the part of ourselves that has empathy for our future selves today. And, you know, it's, it's true that if you get enough dose of nature, you get to think more accurately about the future, but you're still thinking with your own mind. And I think one of the wonderful things about novel AI and these, um, tools, of course, we've used a, f- a few of them now to connect or, to the, the future that we have in mind. Is that you know you can really aim at where you wish to get, and you know the AI doesn't tell you, oh, you, you, if you wanted to go there, you couldn't start from here. Or I wouldn't advise it. You know, it mm-hmm. it, 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 it doesn't uh, you know ever say there is no fiction that is credible by which you could reach that result it it you know it it does have errors of fact all the time and it's not it's not a it, at least um you know uh novel ai is not a fact based engine obviously this uh chat gpt is aspiring to factfulness but it's mm-hmm. not therefore working backwards from the future that is precisely close to your intent it's trying to sort of bridge from the facts it knows to that. Whereas if we take a, you know, the, the, the generative co-creative act of a novel AI response to an aspiration, you know, it, it will go as hopeful as the solar punks. It, it doesn't mm. crash into the ceiling where, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the, um, some AIs are trained not to be too hopeful or, or trained mm. that being too hopeful is not realistic in some fashion. Right. I think what's excellent is, Novel AI, novel AI context, you can you can say, you know, uh, under what circumstances did the world reach a bright, regenerative, hopeful future in which a plurality of humans thrive and in which most people could work on what they love and in which m- almost everybody who had a need for um, interdisciplinary support and, and systemic nurture, to quote again Alexander Laszlo's phrase, you know, it's um, wonderful to get a AI that doesn't bump its head on the ceiling when you go to solar punk levels of apex hopefulness, apex realism, and apex imminence. Yeah, yeah. very cool. We're going to go into AI, and I'm going to ask you about that. But first, because for the Space Camp folks, what I want to do is I want to ask you about the methodology of your mission. And that can include what did you feed novel AI, but also who were your collaborators and what were the roles? Kind of tell me, you know, you, you kind of put this vision out there. I want to use AI to see what we can do with this. Um, just tell me how it started. Tell me how it went. Well, you know, I think that uh, the way I've handled it is I've taken a, a piece of the process and embedded that in the existing systems change container that we have in part. Uh, That is a a container that also cares about the humans involved and their systems change leadership. So we haven't been able to take that container and totally turn it towards 
AI to get to a solar punk future because that wouldn't, you know, uh, be compatible with the fact that we've run it for years uh, in a different spirit. So, you know, we, we've been able to effectively weave it in to that in um, moments, like the moment you quoted at the beginning of mm-hmm. our, our, our conversation together. That was a moment in that where I took a concept that came up in the room that was solar punk grade hopefulness and realisticness and relevance, resonance. And I, and I fed that to it to get, to get it to chime in. We've had a separate container in exclusively focusing on the AI for getting to a solar punk future, uh, where it's only been the people who are really caring about that. And, you know, in that we've learned, um, a computer science friend gave us marvelous feedback on, you know, adapting AI for a solar punk future to, uh, role generation for individuals, like having the focus of a future technology to help people uh, build the perfect role for themselves using the help of generative AI to help them uncover that and discover that and uh, curate that from among all those that are possible. Any examples you can give? Was there anything useful that came out of that, Corey? Uh, Well, yeah, I think that... uh, in that regard, uh, I, I had taken uh, to lunch a um, friend who had been a, a best-selling author and a journalist uh, who had a, had written books before and had more book contracts to write. And I'd shared his bio with uh, Novel AI, and it identified 10 books it thought that person could write with titles and summaries <laughs> that yeah. the person actually thought that they could actually write one of them, uh, well, multiple of them potentially, but one of them specifically was actually yeah. potentially apropos. And so that experience was something that I shared with the folks from Spaceship Earth um, camp who joined and a subset of our systems change leaders who we curated to bring into this container. And, you know, and, and they thought that that was indeed such a potent use case that we should look at helping people replicate that, you know, because I had been doing that, you could say manually with some friends, just for the fun of it, uh, live with them when I was chatting with them. But I, you know, I, I think our fellow spaceship um, uh, Earth folks encouraged the narrative that, yeah, actually, that could be a protocol that could be really powerful for a lot of people who are not having access to this um type of thing otherwise and so you know getting getting to the point where uh that became a a document that we've identified as a future uh potential uh piece of software that could allow for that to happen exponentially more easily for more people uh you know that 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 was something that um uh came together in the context of the spaceship earth dialogues i would also say that it's not only been me using the AI. Uh, I think the people in our uh, group who've been participating have also been using it and surprising the hell out of themselves too. You know, mm. and I think that the that discovery that it, you know it's 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 a totally fallible tool, but it also can be a transformational tool in the yeah. sense that if you can edit out what's not useful in it and find the parts that are truly extremely helpful, it can be an extremely quick way to increase the resolution, uh, the visibility into an alternative future that is fit for your future self in a way that, you know, you can recognize. Now, would it be true that a machine learning tool like Novel AI is in essence taking what I write and say, and possibly the advantage being what you and I and other people write and say, and basically feeding back to us a version of what we've been saying. Is that kind of how it works? Or can you tell me, does it ever come up with anything I don't, unique? I don't Is think it... so. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that statement. Um, okay. You know, I, I think that was probably my perception of it when I, when I very first started using it, because I assumed that, I think. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I've typed in more than 100 sentences from what it's come up with into Google. And I get zero results for everyone. Mm. Uh, so, 
you know, it, it, I mean, it, what it's... strikes me is that what I read from the output that Novel AI did, the thing that I read at the beginning, reminds me of something I've read Stephen Bow write. Like from the Buckminster Fuller group, he he does a thing called Builders Collective, and he's a voracious blogger, and he's sort of like doing the same thing as a human that Novel AI is doing. He's in all these meetings, he's talking to people, he's interacting, he's a sponge just soaking in all of the, you know, the BFI work and Buckminster Fuller and uh, Jane McGonigal and all these different, you know, brilliant minds. And he's synthesizing, he's taking it in and he'll, he'll come up with these things in these beautifully stated way of doing it. So I guess what you're saying is that to you, originally novel AI seemed like something that was regurgitating, but it really doesn't. It takes it and synthesizes it in a way that, um, you know, that, that's what struck me as I was like, I, I, I could hear his voice reading that statement and well, thinking, just, just wow, this because... is like, because that's how I found Buckminster Fuller Institute was through him. So just a little, you know, a little shout out to him. But oh, it's like, okay. you know, all of these things that I'm learning through him, through this large collective of people, you know, is, is the essence of what I felt when I read the statement that Novel AI generated. Yeah, so I, I think that... There are writers who I get reminded of when I read um, my own writing when I was a playwright uh, actively reminded me of Bertolt Brecht's writing at the time. You know, I uh, think that the fact that there's resonance between the solar punk AI as a co-author and um a friend of yours who you're inspired by, you know, is, is a wonderful thing. It means that, you know, we're, we're finding more collaborative diversity of AI sufficiently so that we're not, you know, only learning from human inter, inter, interactions and dialogue, but we're also learning from AI dialogue. And we're hopefully doing that, not in isolation from each other, but where, we're able to have all of us get more learned faster in ways that are more profoundly consequential because we're able to integrate more cumulatively, more quickly, more thoroughly as a consequence of interacting with other humans who are interacting with these tools and each other, right? Right. I mean, that- well, and let's not forget, we're interacting with the internet. We're, YouTube has an algorithm that's artificially intelligent. Google has an algorithm that's artificially intelligent. We're all inside of a filter bubble. So, I mean, to me, what that says is like, I wonder if in a sense, like having drawn from this collective of similar sources and similar um, ideas and mindsets, if that's sort of the, the value in what's being generated in a statement like that is, is like taking something that a bunch of people are saying and thinking and feeling and like coalescing them into a statement that you can read and you can see in, you know, 12 paragraphs and go, yeah, this is, this is the essence of what, we're about. And I'm just, I, I'm curious and I, I will tangent on the idea that, you know, I want to know if you had to tweak the input as you went along, like tweak the prompts or give, you know, like any steps along the way of adjustments to what novel AI generated. But first I'll let you respond to, you know, anything that I just said before that. Yeah. Yeah. I look, uh, I, I think that, um, well, in the latter regard, yes, constantly you have to tweak both the inputs and you have to delete it when uh, the novel AI goes in the wrong direction. You know, I remove it as fast as I see it go eco-fascist. I remove that and say, no, that's not the direction. That Interesting. We okay. Need to go. Explain, explain. So what, how did this go wrong? Like, I, I'm very curious about this because people I mean, have this idea that the, the fastest point to fastest way to a bright future could be through dystopian approaches that, you know, are morally unconscionable and therefore, you know, right. it's not like, so like you know, if we just, if we just had less people, then the world would carbon stuff would be solved pretty quick. Right. You That's know, an example just, of uh, something that the novel AI has, you know, it goes, said on multiple goes bender from, but, Futurama, kill all humans. <laughs> well, that's not, yeah, that's not solar punk. You know, it, it doesn't match yeah, the so you So sometimes it, it will generate things like that. And you have to be like, no, that's, let's, that's not the output we're optimizing. Yeah, but it's also the case that if you look at the um, scholarly literature about how uh, these tools have been used recently, 
you know, uh, Stanford did a study of um, with a, a thousand people who were vaccine um, about, you know, vaccine information material that they took the uh, federal government's um, official vaccine material and then they uh, put it through, um, I think in this case, it was a, a different uh, AI generator than um, the one we've been talking about, but they put it through it just as an illustrative example. Um, 50 times and uh, 30 times it came out gobbledygook. 10 times hmm. it came out uh, lousy, but 10 times it exceeded the United States government's performance in terms of communicating to vaccine skeptics and people, especially who had low trust in institutions, became, hmm. you know, much more amenable to the communication. So, you know, I think it can be a communication uh, transformation. You know, I, uh, before our social capital markets conference in October, 2022, I, uh, got the AI to, uh, take all of the marketing, um, uh, materials we had in terms of long form conceptual complexity of what we're up to. And I fed it through the AI and I had most of our material written by the AI, but that's just translation. I think that's different from yeah. what I'm really interested in at the level of not just content, but you know, when I feed in the great positive deviance engine into the AI and it comes back with, did you mean the universal design engine for the betterment of human fish and fauna? You know, wow. that's a new institutional huh. design. You know, yeah. I'm interested in the permeable membrane between the world as we'd wish it to be and the world as it is and the bridge over being much more accessible than it is today. And if novel AI could help us design new institutions, design new fields of knowledge, you know, th then that can happen in an incredibly powerful way. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because I think at this point, it's important to note that the uh, human user is directing the machine learning to produce the output that you're designing for is what it seems like. I'm reminded of the story where the Google engineer, uh, Lemony, um, was working with Lambda from Google and was convinced that Lambda was sentient. Um, were you aware of that story? Well, I, I listened to the clubhouse that uh, that individual engineer participated in. The, the thing that I loved about it was this uh, part of the narrative that identified with that the AI had come up with a list of works of fiction in which the AI had become the hero to save the world or save society, and that the AI had come up with that as a matter of curation because the default fiction had dystopian roles for an AI with moral uh, intentions or aspirations. And mm -hmm. so the AI had to generate its own reading list in that sense mm -hmm. of, um, I, I would describe that as, you know, centering on an AI as role, you know, solar punk roles for AI reading list effectively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you did in this project was you've um, wanted to come out with more of an output of what are some of the scientific fields that we could merge together to reach a solar punk future. So one, number one was combination of anthropology of climate change sociology of conservation and the microeconomics of biodiversity becoming the field of anthro resilience. Tell me more about that prompt that you were working on. There's about 90 of them. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, many more than that, that, you know, it, it's been really interesting because when you, when you create a prompt that says in the world, there needs to be certain fields in order for us to reach a solar punk future as critical path what are those combinations of fields? Uh, when that happens, um, you know, you get this really interesting process because the AI has read enough of different fields that, it, you know, it, it may not be accurately fully at this level, but it, it does have some sense of what fields don't exist as of the time it was trained and what combinations of fields don't exist as of the time it was trained. And then if you then link that question to the critical path assumptions to get to a world in which uh, people are thriving with in collaboration with biodiversity. If you can do that, then you can really create an incredible kind of risk sensitivity engine for interdisciplinary integration 
gaps mm-hmm. and opportunities. And it's, I think, a marvelous thing. You know, we've thought about having convenings of humans to test some of these hypothetical fields that the AI says really should get to happen or we're all in trouble. You know, yeah. um, I think it's a really interesting pathway. That's so cool. So this is one of the inputs that you're giving to find more practical applications. So less of a, 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 a imaginative fiction, but let's let's say, okay, how did we get there? So you're you're kind well, of none like of what I'm saying agree. is fiction. I'm just using mm-hmm. a fiction engine to build new facts. To a yeah. fiction engine to work backwards from the institutions that are missing. A fiction engine to look at the innovations that are missing. A fiction engine to look at the. Um, new fields of knowledge that would be transformational if we can connect them together. Yes. Um, so, you know, that it's, I, 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 I've learned from the solar punk field of fiction, but I've been seeking to bring it to the systems change field such that we can make these solar punk facts. Yeah. And you know, what's cool is that um, as I was researching things that AI do currently or machine learning, one of the things, and this is very bucky, is energy management. So uh, these algorithms are very good at like figuring out where to distribute um, electricity uh, between systems to optimize for things like that. So I think from a systems design perspective, it behooves us to think about these technologies in moving forward with scaling beyond our our limitations as as uh, individual humans trying to work in a collective and also how could we work together that brings me to the part about your company i want to know more about what you're doing because it's fascinating and i think very 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 helpful um so can you give us a a bit more about uh reframeit.com and your your work with that and your polling and all that all that stuff well different layers i mean reframeit.com is partially um, what we've done with the future of collective intelligence and de- deliberative democracy work. But over the last seven years, it's been, you could say, through crowddoing.world, this convergence of uh, what we are as a venture lab, where we're co-building, you know, we have 1,800 virtual volunteers collaborating with us on systems change research and development in these um, 20 proto-ventures, you could say. We have more beyond those, but 20 that we've been collaborating on in one level or another. And, you know, these include catastrophic wildfire prevention, uh, Mm. foods and herbs for stress and anxiety, flourish.science is what that one's called. And, um, you know, this includes uh, regenerative uh, shareholder resolutions, proxy voting. uh, It includes our uh, work with the new social impact stock exchange that's Mm. being set up in the UK for global uh, efficacy. It, it includes our um, work across um, service learning, democratization, across lifelong real-world problem identification, uh, across the work in biodiversity collapse prevention through debt for nature mutualization. Hmm. Uh, you know, we have um, a, a group of social innovations that we are stewarding as massively multidisciplinary, collaborative efforts um you know it would uh take more than the 60 seconds we have remaining in our time to the to give you a a full picture of these but i i welcome uh sharing in any kind of depth that you would enjoy at any future occasion that your audio community would appreciate the systems change panoply that we're up to because i uh, was appreciating multiple dimensions of where you were resonating with what we're up to. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the chance to be in dialogue with yourself and with your community about how do we achieve systems change faster, both among humans in radical collaboration and in radical imaginative collaboration with AI and in cooperation between all those who are doppelgangers in that they share um, dimensions of uh, each other's approach such that they can be doppelgangers in cooperation to reach a solar punk future and um, where they are diverse so that those kinds of diversity can let us reach more apex kinds of solar punk futures based on every combination of interdisciplinary cooperation that is otherwise neglected in the modern world. I think that would be marvelous if we could reach a solar punk future faster through uh, all of this and also through 
uh, work such as your your podcast. And so I'm very grateful that you've taken the time to to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks, Bobby Fishian. Thanks for joining us on this uh, special edition of uh, the Space Camp Mission Shareout, as well as the Language of Creativity podcast. Um, where can people find you personally um, to reach out to you and connect? Uh, well, I'm uh, on uh, LinkedIn as Robert Fishkin, uh, the crowd doing that world context. Uh, we've also got um, a uh, social media associated with the same. Uh, I'm also happy to, to speak with folks directly. Uh, I wanted to say I welcome collaborating with anyone to help them co-design the perfect role for themselves for the world to reach a solar punk future because it's an all hands on deck proposition to try to get systems change to happen as fast as our hopes and wishes. All right, Bobby, thank you. Now, here's the rest of Novel AI's output to Bobby's prompt. Only this time, I'm letting text-to-speech generator finish the passage. We are all on a kindred quest in systemic nurture of each other's ability to reach a future fit for our future selves. On December 3rd, 2022, the bright, hopeful, regenerative feature became radically closer. Our ability as humans fish and fauna and plants to reach the feature became exponentially greater. Here is how. The answer was already out there. It had been lying around on the internet since before I was born but no one knew about it or could see it. The reason we hadn't seen it was because of the nature of the answer. It's not an answer. It's a process which does something to us so profound that we can do everything ourselves without help. And it's universal. We share this commonality with every living thing on earth. What is it? Growth and change. As human beings we have evolved the capacity to grow and change, to learn and adapt, but to get to this point we needed a catalyst which would allow us to embrace these traits and become more than we were. This catalyst was found in a small community of scientists who did not expect their work to ever be used by anyone else, they didn't think they'd need to share what they had discovered or publish it anywhere, why should they, it wasn't part of any official project they weren't being paid for doing it and no one outside the group knew anything about it, so why bother, they expected it to stay a secret forever, but the secret got out anyway, and the world changed, it started slowly at first, the ripples spread across the web like tiny waves breaking upon the shore, a few people saw their lives improve almost immediately after they heard about it, some of them told others and those people shared the news too, soon enough everyone knew about it. One day when you woke up your life was different from the way it had been the night before, people felt good, things were better, easier, more fulfilling, they laughed more often, they smiled more, they worked harder towards their goals, they were happier with what they had and less envious of what they didn't, there were still wars and poverty and suffering and injustice, but they were fewer and farther between, people learned to live in peace together instead of fighting each other over stupid shit, they cared more about the things that really mattered. They gave more to charity and helped others less fortunate than themselves. The number of people living in extreme poverty declined dramatically as nations realized they could use their wealth and resources to help save millions of lives. New technologies and medical innovations rapidly advanced society's knowledge base, allowing people to live longer and healthier lives than ever before. The world became a better place for billions of people, gradually, bit by bit. This positive trend became unstoppable as the momentum increased exponentially. Humanity was on its way to becoming a kinder, more compassionate species. The tipping point came on December 3, 2022. The catalyst was now ready for use. It was time to start our journey into the future. Thank you for joining us on the inaugural episode of Spaceship Earth Mission Log. We are going to be interviewing mission leaders from all 20 of the missions that were involved with TrimTab's space camp towards climate stabilization. So you can follow us on YouTube to get the video version of this podcast and get our newsletter on Substack, spaceshipearthmissionlog.substack.com. We will continue doing interviews for the next eight weeks or so until we get through all of them. And who knows, maybe this will become a thing at a future Space Camp event. 
but we wanted to help further connections with the people who are doing great work in the missions and hopefully expand the interconnecting web between those who are already doing great projects and work so we can link together and collaborate. So my hope is that you get something out of this. And if you need to know more about the Buckminster Fuller Institute, you can look up bfi.org. That is the inspiration for a lot of this. And they're doing a lot of great work to teach regenerative principles and thinking and to help spur on systems change in the world. So they have a lot of great programs, including the Trimtamp camps that you can join. So I recommend going to check out the Buckminster Fuller Institute. And for now, I am signing off. This is Stephen Levitt. I'm looking forward to going on this journey with you. My podcast is The Language of Creativity. You can look up thelanguageofcreativity.com or find it on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and wherever else you get your podcasts. So thank you until next time. This is Spaceship Earth Mission Log.